This is Plus Money Golf on the Patriot Sports Network. A golf betting podcast that's better than most. What he said. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. And now, here are your hosts, Adam, Smitty, and Eric. Good evening. Welcome to Plus Money Golf on the Fantasy Sports Sports Network. Still with the pro and the caddy. That'd be Adam and Smitty. My name's Eric. I'm just the host. We are brought to you this evening by Jazz Sportsbook Casino and Racebook. As well as our friends at Underdog Fantasy, use code plus money, all one word, get a 100% positive match up to $100. That's an incredible deal. Chris is somewhere in Minnesota doing the real work, getting us on the internet. What a time to be alive. Okay. Nobody at HQ still making a show. That's that's adapting and overcoming. Adam and Smitty are here. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Just... uh. Looking for last week, watching U.S. Open coverage all week, all day, every day. Just uh, trying to get the reaction of the players on this course that we've really nobody's ever seen. So, how'd the uh, how the longest day in golf go? It was pretty cool to watch. I mean, I I was I think I was playing, but I watched a lot of the scoring. And there, there are a ton of amateurs that qualified, ton of tour guys that just dominated. Lucas Glover missed like a three footer to be able to make it into make it into the uh u.s open so yeah lots of fun stuff lots of grinded out golf man hovland was caddying for his buddy i don't i don't think he made it so like i think that's a i think that's a really cool story and all and you know it's fun that like he just won a, a big tournament you know and uh then the next day he's caddying for his for his buddy but like did it really need to be that big of a story <laughs> yeah I'd... like like honestly like they're 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 teammates together they're good friends i mean i would hope that all of us would do something like that for our good friends like they're trying to like put hovland yet like up on this like pedestal that's like oh he's bigger than the world and so he can't be a good friend to somebody that he knows very well it's like it's not even a story like i don't know i just kind of got annoyed by that because i feel i feel like all of us sitting in this room right now would be would be doing the same thing i've seen it before like we were in florida going to a tournament we're in the airport and ricky fowler was there and he was going to caddy for uh his roommate college roommate at the q school so yeah it happens just all the time that you do right that's just something that you do but i, I mean, think uh, if i'm not i might be wrong but i'm pretty sure zach Bouchot lives in edmund where ricky fowler or, i mean uh where hovland lives so they probably practice and play together a lot too right so there's a backstory to it where it just makes it made complete yeah. sense right so. He's probably like, sure, I'll be in the area. I'll just caddy. You don't have to pay somebody to fly up there, get a local caddy. And it's like, he probably didn't expect to win, given his track record. I mean, he probably wanted to, but Correct. the way he's finished the last five or six leads, it's like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, but I, I just, I thought that was worthy of me bringing up just to say that yeah. because, I mean, it was like, yeah, I, I think it's awesome, like, that he's a good human being, mm-hmm. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? Um, <laughs> but, I don't know. Just I've heard that from tons of people that have like run into him at the gas station or at a restaurant. And he's just like super down to earth, nice guy. Like your buddy, you would just see like, Hey, what's up, man? Not much. And, uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. most of those guys are like that. There's a few that aren't, but most of them are like that. A more interesting story is probably uh, Adam Hadwin getting tackled by security. Oh, well, or trying to celebrate awesome. with his buddy. <laughs> 
they interviewed him today and he said, I, it looks a lot worse on TV. I don't know if the guy took it easy on me, but he's like, it wasn't bad. I felt good. And it's two days later. So that was awesome. I, I might, I may have watched that video a thousand times because I was trying, I was actually trying to like see the reaction of everyone else around that knew mm-hmm. who it was. And it was like, what the fuck is that security guy doing? And the Netflix like camera the crew was right there do. too. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Cause they were trying to catch the reaction of all the Canadian guys, like seeing their boy trying to close yeah. out. And it's yeah. like, Oh man, it was cool to see all of the Canadians and the, the non-Canadians that were there watching like the playoff. It was pretty surprising. I mean, I don't know if it's one of those things like where RBC charters a flight to the U S open, like deer does a lot of times. Um, you know, where, where those guys oh, just yeah. happen to be there catching a ride to the U.S. Open, which I'm sure they are. That's, you know, a lot of these tournaments are like that when there's a major the next week. So wherever they all kind of just gather and then leave together type. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Private jet pooling. It's it's a big jet. It's like like deer takes their big, you know, 747 or whatever with everybody and their caddies and their wives over there. So. Is it painted green and yellow like a tractor? Yeah, you would never know it was there. I think it has a deer logo on the back, but that's it. <laughs> how do we? Uh, how do we do last week at the Canadian? We did okay. Uh, we had Hatton and had one in a top or Hatton at a, at a top ten, and then uh, top twenties we had Rye again. Sam Bennett, good showing at twentieth, uh, first first, yeah. and. Uh, Aaron Rye played really well. Yeah, had one at a top 20. So, not too bad. Yeah, that'll work. I was really hoping Eric Cole would have stuck around. It's sixth. And Rory played good, and then all of a sudden he just like... Yeah. He was just off on Friday, I believe, and then Saturday and Sunday he played really, really solid. Um, so, so, a bit of a hot take here, but... And, you know, we've talked about this in the past too, so obviously I'm just talking for a conversation here, but it almost, it, it kind of feels as of late, right? The last, however many tournaments where like, it just, is there some sort of small transition going on here with like who, like the guys who were the top golfers and the guys who mm. are now the top golfers Yeah, where like, is Rory falling out of that like top ish tier because of the way he's been finishing lately? They've and been talking Justin Thomas and you know all those guys. So they've been talking like a big three, I guess you could call it, as being mm-hmm. Scotty, uh, <clears throat> Rom, and then I can't remember the other one was. It may have been one of these other like Hatton or somebody. Guys that are consistently, but they're you know, it's hard to compare. I mean, Scotty's like for the memorial, for instance. I mean damn near wins that thing yeah and from nowhere yeah but right. makes the cut on the number and then finishes third <laughs> rory yeah. or like at the memorial which we didn't cover last week but you know rory seventh fowler ninth adam scott ninth uh mm-hmm. hovland wins it's it's crazy i think you know victor gets a oh the brooks was the other guy that was in the big three mm. so uh, cause you know, we only gauge that off of majors and those right. three are the guys that are at the top every single major. But then again, it's like, we, I feel like, well, you know, Brooks was a guy who fell off there <clears throat> and was no longer one of those guys. And now 
it almost feels like, yeah, like a Rory and like a JT and like, yes, Rory hasn't been playing terribly. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that. Right. Right. But the fact that he's just not truly in contention to win. He's not, he's putting himself out of position one day where it's like, he's playing Mm -hmm. catch up and he plays good catch up, but not when other guys are shooting 64 and 63. Like, yeah. I mean, Rye was just on fire all week. He just didn't have as much the first day, but it's hard. When Scotty gets hot, it's really hard to beat the guy. I mean, I saw where it said, I think it was at the Memorial. He was 20.83 strokes gained. And it said nobody, or 20.69. It said nobody's ever not won a tournament with over 20 strokes gained in an event. That's, wow. that's crazy. I saw, you know, a similar stat that I saw too, that um, I actually, I actually wrote down and like noted in my phone here before the show is that it says that it said that like uh, Scotty is currently on pace for the second best strokes gained T to green season since tracking began in 2004. Um, so in 2006, Tiger was, Tiger was 2.98. I mean, I know we're all shocked to hear his <laughs> name. Okay. Yeah. But then Scotty this year is at 2.78. Wow. And then the next, the next closest to 2.78 after that was Tiger again in 07 at 2.37. So like, this is, you know, this is like 20, you know, 17, 17 years later. And you're just like, man, we haven't seen that for almost two decades. I think you almost have like a Scotty Brooks and the majors have separated themselves. I mean, you could sprinkle ramen there, but we've seen, he just doesn't show up some weeks. Those two are going to be the guys that are going to just check out on major totals. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be one wins, one wins. It's you're not, you might have a couple sprinkled in there, but these are the guys that are in multiple majors in the next, you know, five years. How it's old like is Speeds felt who is, who's that? How old is Brooks? 33. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, if he locks it in and like he's figured it out, he said in his really- interview today, which he was pretty open about everything and he said like my goal is double digits like he feels that his age i saw that with the way he plays in majors and how he just they keep trying to find like every time they play these super hard old school courses it just plays right into his hand because he's mm-hmm. patient and he he's a really good ball striker he hits the driver straight he's long he puts and chips really well especially in difficult courses i mean a lot like Bryson. Bryson plays really good on these super difficult courses. I don't I just feel like Brooks is so hard to beat and he's not even the favorite this week. I know. Yeah. Well, this week the US Open at LA Country Club out there in uh sunny California. We're gonna have golf till like ten PM Friday yeah. and Saturday night. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. Yeah. This uh looks like a difficult course built in 1897. That's like five minutes after golf came to America. Over 7,500 yards. Max Homa shot a 61 here once yeah, in the Pac-12. Pac-12. Rom Rom shot a 63 or four there in Pac-12 championship. Wow. I was I was watching yesterday as they were talking about the architect, which is George C. Thomas, who was like this great architect at <clears throat> Riviera. Both courses there, Bel Air Country Club. And it said he like had founded the Philadelphia school of golf course architecture. He was a horticulturist <clears throat> and uh, they listed like all of the architects that kind of like follow his name. And you have like Gil Hans, Corey Crenshaw, 
Tiger, uh, CB McDonald, like all these classic guys that just love his design. And it's, I thought the most interesting thing, which they said, um, that his design strategy was there's multiple ways to play holes where you have like a lot of the modern architects do like, you know, down the middle, you know, one way to the one path to the hole he played or he designed multiple paths, which they said tiger's like really into that. So when tiger designs his courses, he does the same thing where it's like, you can hit multiple clubs off the tee. You can have multiple shots on the under the holes, which sets up really cool for this course because all they talked about was like hole six, where you're going to have, you could hit six different clubs off the tee based on where the flag is. And you could actually like hit driver down past the green and then chip back if it's a front pin and chip back towards the front or you could hit driver or they could hit six iron and wedge. It was like a ton of different strategies. So I think that'll be the cool thing about this course is like seeing how guys handle pressure. Like, uh, you know, if you're one or two behind where normally we just see these guys bust driver every hole, it's going to be like some guy might hit driver. The next guy hits, you know, five iron and play a little match play strategy where that guy's sitting first, you know, kind of a, it's going to be a cool play out. Yeah. Everywhere, everywhere that I read <clears throat> something about uh, this weekend, it talks, it, the word creativity gets, gets yeah. added in there somewhere about how every, you know, every hole has got a ton of creativity to it, like with how you can play it and how you can approach everything. So, I mean, the way you <laughs> describe that is a hundred percent right. And they obviously hole six is something that's getting talked about a ton, but um just how the course itself is set up. I mean, shit, we have a, we have a, we have a 290 yard par three this week. <laughs> well, they said the last three holes are playing for 1,545 yards. The last three holes. That's insane. Wow. Well, you're talking, yeah, a par, a par 70 course that's playing over 7,400 yards. That's insane. Right. Well, just to put that in context for people like 1500 yards, like most of your nine hole courses in our area are probably 3,500. So three holes are playing longer than, you know, like six holes on your average golf course. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I, I, I was just scrolling through Twitter because that's how you, you know, that's what you do. Um, at least that's what guys in their mid thirties do, right. You <laughs> scroll through Twitter and looking at things. And I, I just came across something where it's like Gordon Sargent slamming a three iron into the 290 yard par three eleven. Yeah. It, it's like, you got guys grabbing three irons out of their bags to hit on a par three that's almost 300 yards like that i don't care how far you can hit the ball i mean these guys on these guys on the pga tour are probably like what what are what yeah rory said on when he was doing his walk and talk today he said five six and seven he was going to hit five wood and he's like think about that it's a par four a par three and a par five and i'm hitting five wood off the tee on all three holes (laughs) it's awesome so that again that speaks to like the creativity right it this course is going to make these guys really really have to think about things and um and i think and for me i love that and you know i i love the fact that um that that it's going to be a big time mental game because that's what the U S open is supposed to be about. And, you know, I, I say that, right. And, you know, being, being a caddy at Aaron Hills and how that all played out, it didn't really work out. Right. But that, that was supposed to be, and that that was supposed to be how it was. I was supposed to be here in 2017, but then with having the, with having um, just the wide open 50 yard fairways and bomb it away and, you know, play your game type thing. And um, this is a little bit different though, to where it's like, okay, you have to, you have to really 
know where the hell you're hitting the ball and what yardages you need to hit at because yeah. if you're not playing to your strength every single swing, it's going to take you for a ride we, that you haven't been on. We know these guys can hit every shot. It's just the stress, the stress of thinking about what shot mm-hmm. am I going to hit and thinking about, like they said, that players need to think about where the ball is going to end up, not where it's going to land. Hey, and who's one of the most creative guys on tour? Yeah, but so I found this no. as they I were talking rough. As they were, yeah. Get out of that. And he's not straight with the driver. Uh, I saw uh, the guy dropping the ball in the rough. I don't. I don't know. I saw that was, that was pretty cool. Too, they were talking video. about the golf course today, and so my cousin uh, Cole's a superintendent in Colorado Springs, and I said, "Dude, did you see that?" So they said they haven't watered the greens here since May twenty third. May twenty third. You know, we're almost to June 23rd. They've been hand watering just to get enough moisture. And it said they, that the moisture level is seven or less. And so I, I said is seven or less a lot. And he said, bro, my course is at 22 to 24. So think about how dry that is. Think about that's how like rock ass hard that is. That's like, and then it said on, what was it Monday, Sunday or Monday, the greens are rolling 18. What? And that's uh, as soon as they said that, I texted him. He goes, "You must have been thinking the same thing I did because I heard him just say that." I mean, obviously they, you know, had him slicked, but to put that into context, that's like putting down a car, like a a parking garage. There's no way. <laughs> like so. So what do you think? I mean, what do you think though? Like, is I think they'll have them at thirteen and a half to fourteen. That's got to be like, that's got to be the max, right? I mean, they are a little softer. I mean, not softer, like faster than that. They're not softer, firm conditions, but they're softer as the flatness of the greens are softer. I mean, they do have some tiers and slopes there, but they're very soft. It's a soft course for an old course, I think, because a lot of these old courses we see like Marion and Wingfoot, they have these big slopey greens or Shinnecock. And these to me looked like way softer, like flat. They have some mounding and some tearing. And I think whenever Gil Hans did the redo, he's really good at understanding like you can't have the same slopes from 1800 on turf grass that we have now, which he did at Southern Hills. Like you see at Southern Hills when they played there, Gil Hans redo, it was a lot soft. Like the greens were softer to me, like the, the runoffs weren't as much as they had been in the past. So I think that's where he is probably the best at the redos because he understands like when you build a course in 1900, the grass is, you know, the grass is shit. So you can have these big, huge hills where you can't have that with the new turf grass because you can mow them that low. It's just not possible. It makes them unplayable. I mean, it'll be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Interesting. And like, I always look, I always try to look around um, online too, to see where courses kind of how courses compare to other courses and like, Oh, this seems like a similar one. Right. And it's usually a pretty big list where you find, you can find a lot of courses that are going to, going to play similar and everything. And I I didn't, I didn't find many. I mean, Pine Valley was the first thing I thought of when I saw it. Some things that you'll never see a tournament there. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, I saw a couple things, um, that have been played like, and these are courses obviously that have been played on tour and stuff, but like one was Augusta and I'm like, really? Well, I guess because of scoring, I don't know. But, but Augusta to me has no creativity. Like, yeah, the I feel like Galba, that's, off the tee, it's just bus driver, bus driver. 
and maybe that's why, and maybe that's why they were, why they say it is because of your approach shots, because approach is going to be a big deal be, to this week and stuff too. But another one I saw was, uh, was Shinnecock Hills. Yeah. You know, um, that's the one that the players keep referring to Shinnecock because of the, the way the grass is around the bunkering and the, mm-hmm. just the old style, old style layout. And then really the only other one I saw was Southern Hills. To me, Southern Wait. Hills is just a dry, like somewhat driver hole like driver course mm-hmm. it's a bit it's a big like grand old country club it's not a like a pl- like a plot around track like as soon as i think when they start talking about multiple clubs off the tees and plotting your way around the first course i thought of was marion because that's played 6700 yards and they won over was the winner at justin rose i mean that course holds the test of time and that that's God. one of those old courses where you what have. I Marianne. love what I love a winning score at one over. Oh, Rory, I don't know how anybody shoots in the low sixties? I think that if the guys that really <clears throat> use some creativity off the tee, like driving it past the holes or hitting it over the greens into this flatter chipping areas where we have straightforward chips, where Spieth, if I'm him, I'm thinking just blow driver over every hole. And then chip back because he's so good at chipping. But oh, then you the think about love that. I mean, you think Max Homa shot yeah. sixty-one here, and that's a dude that can chip. And you're talking yep. college chipping, not as good as he chips now. So are you saying like guys being over aggressive to the greens and see what they can do just because their their short game is really good and they'll they feel confident just getting up and down? Yeah, I think you'll see two different types of players on the top of the leaderboard. You'll see the <clears throat> the few guys that are super aggressive. And then you'll see the guys that play really conservative and just take their birdies where they get them and limit the bogeys. And then you have guys like, I always think of guys that make a shit ton of birdies and fumble. And that's like the gala who makes, you know, the guy could shoot 80 or he could shoot 60 who, and who he'll have two or three doubles. And then next thing you know, he's like, oh, I thought he was out of the tournament. He's at five under. And it's like, Oh, okay. it makes sense. But Hey man, West coast, Sahith. Yeah, he's played and, this course a million times. Yeah, uh, he said he's played well over 30 times. So Max I mean, Homa. Max at, Homa, yep. Dog. Who tears it up at Riv every year. Him and John Rahm, who just same designer, same type of course. Well, I mean, with Max Homa, what, four of his six wins have come in California. Yeah. Interesting. And he's oh. been playing with some members there, or he had played with some members. Somebody yeah. said that the... So they have a par three that's like 78 yards or something. And they're saying that hole is going to be a higher scoring average than the hole. That's number one hole, which is like, you know, par four. Uh, yeah, that's wow. What is the Ricky Fowler was talking about laying up on a 78 yard par three. What? Like laying up because what the green is so severe place? to lay up to the chipping area and just have a straightforward chip. Is that whole is that whole fifteen? I think so. I'd have to look at that. Well, they're listing on this. They're listing it at one hundred and twenty four yards. It can play that far, but it, it can, can play, play that like far up it, to sixty five or seventy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It's whole fifteen. I mean, and that's that's right. It's so it's it's kind of funny too because okay, hole fourteen is a six hundred twenty three yard par ah. five, and then it goes to that par three. And then it goes back to a 550 yard par four. Perfect. So, I mean, that, you want to talk about having to change shit up in three holes? Because, like, a lot of guys like to try to, a lot of guys like to break things up into 
three hole segments. We're like, yeah. okay, here we go. We got to get through these three holes. Now, you know, what do we got to do? How do we got to play here? And where are my opportunities to be aggressive? Where do I have to play safe? And like, how do you even go about that? Because you're using, I mean, you're using every fucking club in your bag. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. I mean, I really like the guys like uh, the West coast guys, but this is not a very West coasty course because we have Bermuda fairways, but we have bent greens and you don't see that. It's usually uh Poana greens. Mm-hmm. To me, it favors guys that are from Oklahoma, Texas, uh, you know, maybe some guys from Florida that play on similar surfaces. I don't It favors speed. If he can chip well, but also yeah, if he's in the, Eric? if he's in the rough, I don't think he's going to have a chance. He's got to hit driver. Perfect. Every time he's got it in him. Let's see if this works before we well, get into these picks. Here's a message from our friends at jazz online, sports book, race book, and casino. Well, use code TSS. Jazz, Sportsbook, Casino, and Racebook, the world's best resource for all-purpose online wagering. For over 20 years, Jazz has provided the best and quickest payouts in sports and entertainment wagers. Live sports betting, covering all the major sports leagues, and even into the new and exciting world of esports. Down the stretch you'll come, with Jazz's online horse wagering. Get paid when you play with Jazz's fun and exciting online casino games. Go online now and use the promo code TSS for our new members deals. Jazz Sportsbook, Casino, and Racebook, the world's best resource for online wagering. Ha! Nailed it. I did look just now. There's nine amateurs in the field. Whoa. That feels like a lot. I feel like I've said this the last three times that we're getting really close to an amateur or a club pro winning a major. And I think an amateur from like Stanford or Cal that's played Pac-12 championships here. Maybe, you know, Stanford guy probably has a, you know, an alum that's a member here. I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like this is the year where we're going to get amateur really close to winning this thing because they have nothing to lose. Like, so what you won the U S open. I mean, Mm -hmm. these kids are fearless. We've seen this last you know, at the, at the masters, we've seen club pros that just have nothing to lose. Go out there in the PGA. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like, and there's some deep, really good amateurs this year in the field. Well, I said, I think that says a lot just about just today's youth, right. And how they get thrown through the gauntlet at such (laughs) an early age in competitive sports that these guys just aren't phased. Like the, the elite ones just aren't phased anymore. Once they get put on, the yeah. quote unquote stage. Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, Victor Hovland this week plays at a really difficult course in Oklahoma with bent grass greens, Bermuda grass fairways, deep rough, very difficult, long. If he plays like he has the last three or four weeks, he could have a really, really good chance of winning this thing. And no water for him to to dump it in and fuck himself. Ooh, I'm yeah. swearing a lot tonight. It's for Jordan stop. too. <laughs> yeah, I know. The only thing I didn't like is that the bunkering, the bunk. Have you seen the bunkers are like so soft, like almost silty sand. 
They said even if a ball jumps in there, it could plug. Jordan can get it out. <laughs> he can get anything out of the He's sand. good at playing at a tour angle sand, not uh, thick, you know, heavy, dry sand. That's one thing when you're playing the same sand every week on tour, as opposed to playing these one-off <laughs> events. Yeah, we'll see, I guess. I mean, that's a good point, though, because guys uh, guys get used to things and... And, and, what, and what the reason their- Spieth, the reason Spieth is good in that in those situations all the time, right, is because he knows that he is a little inaccurate at times, and so he that's why he practices that stuff, and he got good at that. Those. But what's usually the first complaint when a guy's hitting it bad out of you know, like hitting in a few bunkers and hitting it bad? The sand, the sand. I don't just the sand is terrible. It's too salt. It's like okay, it's dude, because it's oh, not what they're used to playing. It's in. not because they're not playing tour angle sand every single week. Yeah, try coming out, try coming and going and playing like just uh, your your everyday public public country clubs and going yeah. to different course to course, and you're going to see a million different sands, and you're going to see like actual rocks in the middle of your swing. Sometimes <laughs> one has no sand, one has too much sand. Yeah. Some has a mixture of sand and dirt that they just call. Oh I, yeah, it's just a different type of sand. It always cracks me up because I go back home and play, and they. They redid their bunkers and the sand is like really soft like this. It almost looks just like this. It's like sand, like your ball always plugs. Guys are complaining. And I was like, bro, you play here every day. Why would you just not practice hitting that shot? Like, it's not hard. Just practice it. And then you won't have to bitch every time you get in a sand trap. Some of these odds, I'm... uh... They're good. Max Homa, 35 to 1. The guy has the... The guy has the the course record. Yeah, so, yeah he's not I mean, a U.S. Uh, obviously, my favorite. He's, he's uh playing with some pretty good company though. But I agree. I mean, those are oh, nice. Wow. Those are some fat odds. Like Adam said, there's some good ones. He said he said in his interview that he's been trying to play practice with Colin Marikawa and he won't play with him. And he said, then he saw that he said, I tried to play nine holes with him today. And he's like, well, I have media or something. He's like, he always has an excuse. And he said, so then I saw the pairings come out and I was like, Hey, you can't dodge me forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's look at some of these, uh, some of these top twenties after I delete last week's. I see Fiegel on last week's Fiegel is going to be. He goes 110 to one to win this thing. That's insane. Yeah, that's not surprising. Smitty, who do you got in your top 20s? Well, I'll tell you, I kind of, I, I kind of went a little bit different way um, than normal this week with my top 20s because usually, I mean, I, I just, I feel like I, I, t- I went a different route this way. It's hard to explain, but I mean. So with my top 20, I went with Max Homa at plus 130. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that we've had on our top 20s all the time just because we feel like he's a he's a top 20 machine and, you know, statistically speaking anyways, right? Uh, and then he's in – he's at a course that he knows how to play. Um, I actually went Ricky Fowler for top 20 at plus 175. Um <clears throat> He's trying to make the make the comeback, you know, official. And if he can somehow sneak into the top twenty and even get into a top ten uh, this week, then I think he's started to solidify that. Hey, man, like I'm better than guys like 
Justin Justin Thomas right now and playing just as good as you know Rory McIlroy. So start talking about me a little bit. He still needs that major though. He I needs know. one. I know. Um, and then I went Adam Scott plus two thirty. Uh, he's uh he's in the prime of his life right now. He's you know he's playing good golf. Um, Best iron and, player on tour. Mm-hmm. And that's going to mean a lot this week. Uh, and then uh, Adam's boy for majors, P. Reed at oh, plus two forty. Forgot about P. Reed. <laughs> P. P. Reed for, plus two forty. Haven't seen him in so long. I just he forgot does about. Show him. up for these short game, man. Right. Yep. Guy, guy can play around the greens. And then I did go um, Sahith Thagala at plus three thirty. Uh, those are for a guy that uh, loves, you know, loves the West Coast, loves playing in warm weather. You know, being back in Cali, says he's played this course a million times and he's he's loving it and he's ready for it. I mean, I'll I'll buy into the hype because I do true I do truly think at some point he's going to bust out and he's going to be around for many years um, as a as a top ten guy uh, in the world. So that's that's where my top twenties round out. I like it. And he lists with Thiegel on, and I'm a big fan. <laughs> he has the attributes, man. It's his backyard. What do you mm-hmm. got, Adam? Uh, I've got Justin Thomas at 165. Not I guess. 265? 165. 165. I just feel like he's getting close. Uh, he's got to make the cut first. Yeah, <laughs> if he makes the cut, it's a course where he's not going to hit the head driver a lot, and I think that's going to benefit him because that seems to be the weakest part of his game is getting off the tee. Um, and then I also have Fowler at one seventy five. I just feel like he's getting close to winning one of these things. I do too. Um, and then I've got Austin Eckrode at seven fifty. Another guy from Edmond plays difficult course. Um, he's been playing really good the last three or four events. Yeah. Um, and then I went with uh, Gordon Sargent, the amateur, 850. Who's grinding kids away, have, hitting his three These iron. kids have nothing to do. Yeah. I mean, they have nothing to lose. If they win, they're they're the god. But, you know, all it does is help their NIL deal. But we're talking US Am champ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that carries some weight on these difficult courses. Um, and then my last pick was Sam Bennett at plus 1000 who played good last week. You know, he's a new rising star. I mean, yeah, it's crazy how these young guys, they, they, they don't come out and just like have one really good round. Like, like it used to be right. Yeah. And, and miraculously make a cut. Like they're coming in and they're throwing punches for a full four day weekend, which is great. You love it. Well, I mean, we saw Aberg last week. Turn pro mm-hmm. got his PGA tour card through PGAU. Gets twenty fifth. Yeah, I mean, and wow. putted terrible. He did. That was frustrating, but I mean, he played really well overall. I think when they, I think these guys feel like when they get on tour that it's almost easier because in college every guy's hitting at three fifty, three sixty, and all these kids can putt. And it's almost like what a guy told me one time when you. He's like making it on the web tour is virtually impossible. He said, when you get on the PJ tour, it's way easier because the courses are always a little easier. Um, the players aren't as long guys don't make every single putt they look at. So I think maybe that's why they come out and they feel like, you know, a sigh of relief. It's a little easier for them. And 
Maybe the competition's just not as deep. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, in college, we see every week. I mean, I, I watch the college scores, and you got to shoot 20 under in these college tournaments in a three-day tournament so you can get a top five. It's stupid. That's, That's a lot of pressure on you every single <laughs> round to have to go. Do you have to go deep yeah. in your bag every single round just to, to make sure that you're, you're playing. And you got you school and you're carrying your own bag and yep. you're doing your own numbers, you know, and it's like, it's a lot. Yeah. Carrying your own bag really adds you can an use aspect push card of difficulty to it. Yeah. You can use push card. What do you got Smitty for your top 10? So this is where the odds get real interesting. I'll start typing already. <laughs> you just hold on. I have Brooks Kepka at plus 130 because if you don't, I'm not really sure why you why you don't have him in your top 10. Yeah. <clears throat> plus um, money, you got to do that. Mm-hmm. I have Victor Hovland at plus 180. Same deal, right? It's, it's all that's the only place he's lived forever it yeah. feels like all of a sudden now. Yeah. And now he's got a dub and he's pro- he's on top of the world. Um and I don't know if you heard, but he's a super down-to-earth guy. He actually <laughs> caddied for his buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just coming from all angles, you know? He's got it going in life. Right it now. was his fourth win, though. But right. the Memorial is a very tough tournament. It's yeah. almost like a major. Um, and then uh, I have Terrell Hatton, uh, plus 260, top 10, um, just because I, I do still kind of have a thing for him. Um, and I, I also think he's playing good enough golf to kind of come out and shine a little bit. And then I have Jordan Spieth at plus 210. He tried to bury him for I thought that was going to be his pick right out of the gate. I had him typed first before he even. What is it? 210? 210. Not bad. And, and then I have Max Holman at plus 280. You know, at like Jordan, I mean, like we talked about creativity and stuff, though. Like on, on, in reality, right? And ball striking and everything as far as like approach to greens and everything and then short game around the greens. I mean, if you're not going to be using driver, that seems to be Jordan's issue too sometimes, right? Is that he can't hit the driver. Well, if he doesn't have to hit the driver and he can go irons all day, um, I mean, why can't he keep it in the short grass? So we'll see. I I know. I mean, I'm just like, I think like, I think that this is, this is something where, you know, he wants to win a U.S. open here. Like, do you it's think the longer you think the longer courses give him trouble? Like it's just a mind fuck to be at seventy four hundred. I don't know though. I feel because I feel like a lot of longer courses, right? Is it's like bombers paradise to where guys that can yeah. really hit the driver and hit it straight to where they need to. That I feel like puts a lot more pressure on him, and that's that's where he starts to swing out of his shoes and feels uncomfortable, and then he's spraying it all over the place and always scrambling. Where if he knows other guys are going to be going iron stuff off the tee, then why does he feel so? Why does he feel yeah. that pressure? I don't think he does this week. Maybe I dry 7,400 though. Probably plays what? 6,900. So mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I kind of, that's why 69. I like him there, but that's the conversion. I love, I love the plus, the plus 280 number on Homa top 10. I think that's yeah. a great that's number there crazy. for him. Cause I think, I think that that's, you know, I mean, what was he? He's plus 130 for a top 20. And you know, that's, it's, it's still plus money. It's great. But like, a guy who plays this course that this course that well, and he's, you know, plus two eighty to to finish in the top ten, and he is what? What is he ranked? Like seventh in the world right now? Yeah. So, what That's the hell? Good. Only yeah. thing I worry about is like 
uh, it's in a book. It's called like home course disadvantage to where you like you've shot 61 there. And now your expectation is like 61. I mean, I doubt he's like that, but it's like, I've shot 61 here. Why wouldn't I shoot it again? And it's like, then you get to play a little overly aggressive on the greens, but mm-hmm. like the seventh and he's like, Oh shit, I'm not going to yeah. have 61 today. Yeah. I don't know. And he just falls apart. What do you got in your top 10, Adam? Uh, my top 10, I actually have Spieth also at 210. Nice. Just because I thought 10th place probably for him. T10. Damn right. He'll come um, into Sunday in 37th and he'll finish 10th. I think I think he's maybe top <laughs> yeah. five after round two and then grenades and then has to crawl his way back to a top 10. <laughs> maybe shoots like a 65 flash round to get in a top 10. Because you know that's what he does. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like you're right. And then uh, I also have Max Homa at 280, just because it's Homa and it's very similar course to Riv, so that's why. Um, and then DJ, because we haven't talked anything about him, he's just a ma- another guy that's like Brooks. It's a majors killer mm-hmm. at 330. Wow, the guy hits plenty long with his irons to be able to hit six iron off of every tee, putts and chips really well, plays the difficult course as well. Um, so yeah. Um, and then, uh, Justin Rose at three sixty because he plays these real difficult old courses. Good. Great iron player. He's coming around already has a win this year. Um, and then Fitzpatrick at 300 defending champion, good ball striker. I wanted to pick Cantlay too, but I just, between the two, I think Fitzpatrick's more cut for a U.S. open than Cantlay. Being a USAM champ, Cantlay's not. I just thought Cantlay seems more fitting to me for a like a PJ or a Masters, not a British or a US Open. I I mean, yeah i I actually I actually didn't really think about DJ all that much, and now that you said his name, I feel like I maybe kind of overlooked that a little bit. Just same with P. Reed in the top twenty. Mm-hmm. I mean. That guy is the top. I thought you'd be. China I thought you'd be all over that one. <laughs> I just honestly forgot he was even on the planet. <laughs> I mean, I did. <laughs> even with all the live talk lately, I still totally forgot P. Reed. Yep. Yeah, and those live guys have showed up for the tournaments uh, they've been allowed to play. So, Bri- and I for- totally yeah. forgot about Bryson too. I mean, they haven't even mentioned him one time on the TV, and I, that's probably why I didn't think about it all they talked about was dj and brooks but some of these guys are practicing off-site so i thought i don't know why i overlooked bryson because he is a, a difficult majors machine i mean wing foot dominate so if i had to pick another top 10 uh i would pick bryson uh, i don't know if i could root for bryson i definitely couldn't <laughs> I mean, if the odds are good enough, I'll root for anybody. Yeah, touche. True. For, put Bryson at eighty to one, and it'll be my favorite. He's at a plus three sixty for a top ten. <laughs> Not terrible. I think Homa two eighty is is yeah is pretty crazy, and Kepka just being even plus one thirty. I think that almost be minus one thirty with how he's completely turned it around. Yeah. Smitty, who's going to win this thing? All right, winners. Um, so I was a little bit of like odds obsessed here with 
my outrights. Um, speak, I feel like I just have been coming so close uh, as of late with getting a winner. And, it, you know, last week it really annoyed me to like when Hatton all of a sudden showed up on Sunday and like he was, <laughs> he was going for it and I didn't have him in there. And I was like, he's going to win it when I don't have him there and everything. Exactly. And, um, so I just was like, okay, maybe I need to go a different approach here. And I started to look at um, just more of like more bang for my buck, I guess, with with some things. So uh, I was I was kind of torn between Xander and uh, Patrick Cantley. Um, and uh, yeah, I know. So this is so I actually I actually my first gun here. I have I have Xander Shoffley at plus eighteen hundred. Um, that is a little different. That's you retired to go into that well. Yeah, I know. I know. But um he I, I don't know, like he's he's from California, right? Correct? And Colin Morikawa is. And, he went to Stanford uh, and he's played here. Or so Cal. He he's like I don't know, he just for me, you know, he's been what is it? It's like Xander's been eighteenth or better in his last five uh Last five majors. He's playing 18th well. 18th at the PGA. Okay. Um, he, let's, he's got 24th at Memorial. His last five, his last five majors, it says like, so he's 18th. Yeah. Or, he's been 18th or better. So it's just strong, right? Um, I just think he's capable of winning and he's, he's somebody that is still a top tier player. Who's kind of a little bit under the radar with all these other guys who are supposed to win. And so it's kind of, he was, he was one that I went with that is a little kind of off the, the beaten path, I guess. And then I have Victor Hovland at plus 1800. Um, I have Jordan Spieth at plus 3000. Uh, wow. And I have, I have uh, actually have Cam Smith at plus 3000. Um Greens like greens are gonna be running like crazy. You want a guy that can just knock anything from 15, 20 feet in like it's us uh, in like it's a three footer. I mean, he's he's your guy, right? Um, and he saw we saw what he he did with just crazy ass putting and all that kind of stuff, like at the open. So I mean, I, I like I like his chances here, especially with you know, isn't isn't he a guy that struggles sometimes with the driver? Yeah. And so if he doesn't have to use the driver and can be irons a lot, I mean, puts him back into to play a little bit because he's got a great short game. Um, and then my last guy was Max Homa at plus 3,500. Um, I left away, I left out a lot, all the big gun guys just because I feel like their odds are just, I don't know, it's just not great to where if, if I'm going to win this week, I think that I'm more likely to pick six guys out of my, out of those 10 guys I just picked with my top 20 and top tens to where the outrights, it's such a crap shoot. And you have, you have five guys playing like top of the world golf to where it could be anybody. So I, I just kind of went with, I mean, three guys at 30 to one or better. What the yeah. hell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It would be tough for Scotty to mount a big comeback on Sunday. Like he likes to do. Yeah, like he's plus, point. what is he? Plus six fifty or six fifty. Like, like yeah. I just, ugh, I hate that because that like for, for me to make it worthwhile, you have to, you have to, you have to double your bet on that. And then, yeah. you know, you're putting instead of one unit, you're putting two units on that. And it's just like, well, now, now do I even bet a fifth guy? Because I already am betting 
technically six. It's like, well, <laughs> so I just, just saw it. I don't know. It's just, that's how my brain works when it comes to gambling. I'm always, obviously it's always about numbers and everything. And I, I just, I feel like I might, might as well take some shots at some 30 to ones here and see what happens. Like I say, just wait till after Thursday and get Scotty. You know, if he's yeah. what, if he's leading, then, you know, he's going to win. It's not worth your money. Yeah. But if he's eighth, ninth, on, if Brooks is in the lead, uh, Scotty's going to be probably at 12 or 1400 easily. Yeah. Then you're, then you're really pissed that you put two bets on plus 650. Yeah. That's why I say, wait, if you don't like the 650, just wait. <laughs> I mean, I do. I, I picked Scotty. It's time to do it live, but I get in trouble all of a sudden Sunday afternoon. I'm like, Oh man, I have like eight different guys win this yeah. tournament. One of I these did. guys really like. I need one of these guys to win this thing. <laughs> I did. I did live bet Corey Connors um, before things started on Sunday. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> he was so shitty. Ah, he's been playing good too. Not, uh, not just bet on the wrong Canadian. <clears throat> I know. Yep, that was a sick putt. We didn't even talk about the putt to win that damn thing. Seventy-five Sorry. footer. I'm gonna get us way off. I'm gonna get us way off topic here. But damn, that was a putt, huh? Didn't he make awesome. a 52 footer earlier in the tournament too? Yeah. It was wow. crazy. Wow. All right, Adam, who's going to win? Uh, so I, I picked Scotty at 650 because I didn't want to, if he send up to day one lead, it's going to be negative money. Um, and then I wire picked the wire is plus 1200. I believe. Yeah, and then I pr- picked Brooks at 1200 because that's pretty, maybe the best odds you're going to get on him. Yeah, and I don't disagree. I think that's a great pick, obviously. But like I said, I just went a little bit different route and wanted to get closer to twenty to one or better. And yeah, but so he's the kind of guy that just throws a dip in and is like, "What? What's my next shot?" You know, like he doesn't care what the first shot is. It's what's this next shot? You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I picked Rory at fourteen hundred. Um, he, he seemed on the range today to have it kind of put a look like his swing was kind of back to where it was um, two months ago. And then Victor Hovland also at eighteen hundred, and then uh, Ricky Fowler at plus five thousand. Ooh, that, that was that was enticing. I'll be honest. I mean, he's a Cali boy, so why not? Lives in Florida, plays on similar grasses. Grew up in Cali. Yep. I mean, comes out in an all. He's trending. Outfit. He puts really good on these. You know, like the ones where it's not just like a straight six footer where it has to have a little creativity. He putts pretty decent. So he just needs to keep his putters going for four days. That seems to be his only problem. He's not wild off the tee. He's not super long. He's not, he doesn't hit a lot of bad wedge or iron shots. It's just his putter gets cold at times. Just got to keep it together on Saturday or whatever. When he normally falls apart. Well, I guess I'll give a consolidated uh, list of our picks. Smitty's top 20. Homa, Fowler, Adam Scott, P. Reed making an appearance. And Thigala, Adam's top 20. JT, Fowler, Eckrote, Gordon Sargent, plus 850. And Bennett, plus 1,000. Smitty's top 10, Kepcha, Hovland, Hatton, Spieth, and Homa. Adam's top 10, Spieth, Homa, DJ, Rose, and Patrick. 
Smitty's winners are Xander, Hovland, Spieth, Cam Smith, Homa, 35 to 1. That's wild. Adams are Scotty, Kepka, Rory, Hovland, and Fowler, 50 to 1. I'm going to put a couple five bucks on that. Five times 50 is $250. That'd be incredible. I could make my car payment for $5 <laughs> this month. That'd be cool. Yeah. So we're at 52 minutes. Feel like I mean, we could spend like five minutes on the live deal. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a conversation. I mean, I they've asked all the players this week, and it's been like they just they haven't really made too much in-depth comment. And I'm kind of the same way. Like, I don't want to jump to conclusions. There's still a lot of channels <laughs> to go through before this thing even gets approved. It's got to get approved by Congress. It's got to get approved by we could talk All the committees. involved. We could talk yeah, about Rory uh, and Phil because it's a foreign entity. Um, so what they keep saying, uh, Paul McGinley said, people have to understand this is a, a non-binding agreement. It's just, uh, it's an agreement to get into an agreement. So it's going to be months before this thing. You know, it could be six to eight months before they even get it ironed out. Next week at Travelers, they're going to, I guess inform the players of some of the details, but like, I'm kind of the same way. Everybody, when it first came out was like, at first I thought it was a complete joke. And I was like, this is no way it's real. Like eight people texted me and then five minutes and like, did you see this? And I was like, well, I guess it's real. You, you just don't want to jump to conclusions because we don't know what's going on. And they said the PJ already spent over 50 million in legal fees. The PJ and the Saudis, neither one wanted to disclose their financials in court. Because if the PJ discloses and now all the players say, hold up, you guys have billions of dollars in the bank. Why aren't we get paying? And now the Saudis, the Saudis are, you know, like even Brandel's taken a step back. He said, we have to come to the realization that the Saudis want in golf and they're going to get there no matter what it means. So the quickest, cheapest solution for everybody was to get in negotiations. I mean, you have Titans of business that are negotiating this deal. It's not. Jay Monahan versus the Saudis. It's the PGA committee <laughs> guys that are fortune 500 company owners that do this daily. Uh, so I think all in all, it's going to end up being a good deal for everybody. Um, my guess is that the live's going to go away. Maybe not, not next year, but at least by 25. Isn't that when all those? Well, when does all the? When do all those twenty five contracts is all twenty five? So they just won't re up it after that. Supposedly they were, and this is my <laughs> thing: was what are they going to do when their contracts are up and the Saudis say we're not putting any more money into it? Yeah, you know, you guys got to make it work. But is uh, that also the way? Is this also a way for the Saudis to say, you know what? Well, now we're making money elsewhere too. I think it's for them to get a clean break away from Norman mm-hmm. and all the bullshit mm-hmm. that he brings. And yeah, so that's, that's another big thing, right? A big question mark about is like, he says it's still going, but my guess is that he hasn't talked to Yasser and he said, (laughs) supposedly their events this year are still a go. And they asked DJ today is live going away. And he said, far as I know, no. And they're like, well, who told you that Greg or Yasser? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. He's like, as far as I know, they're working on the schedule, but they still haven't released the PJ Tour schedule for next year fully. And DJ so, is great to to ask questions like that because he doesn't even he, pay attention. He, yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't care. 
for no one. Value. Like, his 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 pockets are heavy, and so he's like, yeah, man. Like, cause he just like, you know, basically he's just gonna tell you, he's like, yeah, not my fight. Don't care. My guess is that the tour is gonna figure out some way with the, because according to the TV guys, the tour is hemorrhaging money with these elevated events and oh. legal fees. Because let's say Memorial Jack says, sorry, our our sponsors aren't going to put in the 20 million to be an elevated event. And they're going to say, well, here's 10 million to make it an elevated event. You know, that's money. That's not going to charities. That's money. That's, you know, the players are just soaking up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's going to be interesting to see, but I guess my analysis was that for the tour player, the tour players are going to get a piece of this for profit. So all the guys that say loyal to the tour, they're basically going to give you like not a profit sharing, but like you get a stake in the for-profit portion of the PGA tour. Right. And then the guys that went to live, they're not getting any of that. They don't get any, which is going to be a huge, huge deal. They got their money up front and, you know, they just took the risk, but let's say that the PGA tour for-profit ends up being worth $10 billion in five years. Yeah. Now they're you all, look like a genius for staying with the tour. They're all dying. I mean, the t- rich, so I don't feel sorry for anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the players have kind of said that in not so many words. Like, how can you feel bad for a guy who makes a hundred plus million dollars a year and spends right. $50,000, you know, right. I mean, these guys don't live real lavish lifestyles. They're working every day. Right. Like you're yeah. talking about regardless well, of anything moving forward right now. Yeah. These guys have, multi-generational wealth but i mean look i mean it's it's not yes it's 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 crazy but it's not look at the live guys i mean those guys have passed up some huge contracts by going to live i mean they've all Mm -hmm. gotten dropped by all their sponsors Mm -hmm. so that's you know let's say charles howell's a great example the guy was making 40 million a year and he was making 2 million on tour all sponsor money 38 million a year how much money wow. do you need? Yeah, you know, how much it's like do you need? exactly. Jordan Spieth, Scotty, all these guys are making 40, 50, 60 million a year off course. It's like a hundred million dollars isn't going to change change your life when you've got 50 mil in the bank and you've got a five year contract with AT&T or Gatorade or Under Armour. Yeah. You know, it's they're all it's their billionaires corporate arguing over millionaires, you know, like millions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's dumb. The one percenters, yeah, over thing. millions of dollars. Yeah, but my guess is that the way that they worded it, that Monahan's going to have the the uh, ultimate decision on if Liv lives or dies. Football Which, talk with Bo checking in. R.I.P. Man, yeah. The and I think thing to remember is that even if the Saudis did buy the PGA Tour, they did not buy Adam. He is a uh, part of PGA Association of America, yeah. which is a different entity, right? Correct. So you you still belong to America no matter what. Yeah. But I, <laughs> okay. I think that uh, the uh, t- the the not the live guys are going to be able to come back, but it's going to be some sort of punishment, like they maybe can't get into certain events, like they don't have access to, I don't know, certain invitationals or say they have a $10 million year, they only get 5 million of that, or they don't get any of the money at the end of the year at the tour championship. They're going to figure out a way to make it somewhat equal out, but yeah. they didn't, you know, like if you got a hundred million dollar contract on live, you didn't get a hundred million up front. You got right. 
But here's the deal. All this stuff million. is all this stuff is super short term because let's think about it, right? Most of these guys that that are that went to live, or a lot of them, right? Either they weren't very good in the first place, or two, yep. they're past their prime in golf mm-hmm. for the most part. So within the next 10 years, this is all going to be in the past. And well, no certain- one no Sergio even said it. if they make us play 14 events plus majors a year, he's like, I don't know that I actually want to be back on the tour. Cool. I don't want him back. Well, I know, but that's, you know, like these guys that are at, we're at the end of their career, like Phil Sergio, some of these guys, it's like curtains for them. They're just going to play the majors they're eligible for. And then that's mm-hmm. it. But a lot of people, a lot of fans are, when you talk about like guys like Sergio and Phil, they're just like, we don't care if they leave, like we're done with them, you know, like, the way that they're trying to just yeah, like Brooks and DJ are going to be and and the way they worded it that the guys that weren't negative towards the tour would have no issue coming back, mm-hmm. which was directed at Sergio, Phil, and P. Reed, for sure. Um, but I think I feel sorry for the guys that were rookies that went to live with this great hope that they were going to make million you know hundreds of millions and they didn't get it. But maybe yeah. now they get a chance at least to get on tour. Again, yeah. and you know they can still make some money, but so I mean, so then it maybe it does end up working out, and it was a win-win for them, I guess. Or, but if they have you know, no status, on, like if you were a rookie and you left, and so you had no status on again. tour, you have no status when you come back. You're back to Q school. Yeah, like, that's a good. That's a good point. I would not want to be in Q school with the bottom 150, every web guy, and every kid coming out of college. Like that sounds absolutely terrible. That's brutal. That's like a guy like me. I mean, it sounds good to me because I'm not good that good at golf. So if I were that good at golf, it'd be cool. It's essentially like trying to qualify for the US Open, but instead of two rounds of golf, it's seven rounds of golf. Yikes. At yeah, I, don't, I mean I don't know how my hands would feel after that. It's done. My feet and my knees. But there's gonna be guys that can come back smoothly, and there's gonna be guys that like Cam Smith. Um, DJ Brooks, those guys are going to come back, you know, no problem, but there's going to be some sort of penalty and some sort of playing penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they have to play some sort of qualifier to get in, or maybe they start them out at zero and now they have to make enough money to get back on tour. And that's an oh. idea. I'm sure they're throwing all kinds of stuff around or they're paying a fine, like, like the European tour you know, charge all those guys, you know, $250,000 for every event they miss. Maybe they say you miss this many turn, you know, you're in live for two years. That's 28 tournaments. You owe us $28 million or the PGA tour finding guys $3 million for not playing in an elevated event when they're supposed to. And they're just like, eh, eh. My guess is that he'll get a pass on that. Not the 3 million, but mm-hmm. it had to do with something with the TGL mm-hmm. or his, or this whole thing. He didn't seem to be as in the dark as everyone else is what I gathered. Yeah. Phil seemed to know a couple days beforehand. Uh, I think Phil's days are numbered on tour. He's going to be able to play in what he's qual like qualified for, but they've already said senior tour is not going to happen for Phil. Hmm. Like the which is a which is, is a damn shame, man. Like the when senior you think about it. is very, uh, it's like a fraternity, and those guys do not want people mm-hmm. in there. 
Um, but, no. but it really is a it's shame, a shame for like, the when fan. it comes to, yeah, when it comes to just straight golf, right. And watching a guy like Phil go to the senior tour and what he's still capable of at his yeah. age, like th- that sucks, but he did he, it to himself. He, yeah. He burned his own bridges, man. Yeah. And he's standing on the other side with no way to get back. I mean, you look at Des Moines, it's, it's a big city, but that senior tour event there, there was every guy on the senior tour was playing there. It was nuts. I mean, I get it. They go there and then they, you know, they all play there and they all play at Steve Stricker's tournament in Madison. And it's like, okay, well, but every guy on the senior tour was there, like big named guy. So it's just sad for the fans that Phil won't, you know, be able to die on the senior tour. But yeah, I don't think those guys on the senior tour want Phil there at all. No, they don't want him taking. He's fried those bridges. For sure. Cause those are all the good old boys. Yeah, his bridges burned down like that one that burnt yesterday on TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was Phil trying to get on the senior tour. Yep. Hey, before we get before we get out of here, like quick plug with Underdog and how well they did with putting their numbers on here. Um, it's it's gonna be like it's gonna be really it's gonna be really hard to make an Underdog lineup. You speak, they have everybody flirting right around right around par or over par for the first round. So it's, I I don't have a good feel on it because, and I don't feel, I feel like everyone, no one has a good feel on it. So man, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be something to watch. 65 first day. Watch somebody. Who the hell is going to do that though? Oh, it's going to happen. I took Fowler, Spieth and Siegel off for first round leaders. You're going to catch me- one of these really good players in an early tea time where the course has that little bit of moisture and gets aggressive and it's just going to pan out. If it's going to happen, I want to find a number on it so I can bet it because <laughs> it's got to be good. <laughs> yep, That's what we're about here. All right. We'll call it a day. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Adam and Smitty for all of your hard work. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, but I'm sure you've already done that. Follow the show on Twitter at plus money golf. Best of luck with your bets this weekend. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday for more plus money opportunities. Adam, say something cool that golfers say. Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Thanks for listening to Plus Money Golf. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with the show on Facebook and Instagram at Plus Money Golf and on Twitter at PSR Golf. Until next time.